Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the All Things New podcast. I hope that y'all are doing well and are having a great week so far. I'm on spring break right now, and I am, you know, having a great time, just having some time to relax, which I'm very grateful for. So if you are on spring break or had it, um, I hope that it went well or that it is going well and that you are receiving some much-needed rest. I'm quite excited for today's episode. I've got a lot of notes here, and it is kind of um, slightly alluding to a previous episode I have, which is titled, So You're Tired of Being Single. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, I'd highly recommend you doing so. It's actually one of my most listened to um, episodes, which I think is kind of cool, but not not for the reason of listening to it again. But it is episode 29, so if you go back a little bit, um, you can find it. But this episode is not necessarily like a response or like a continuation, but it kind of is going along very, very similar lines there. But I am going to go a different direction with this. And so today's episode is titled, Is it bad if I don't want to be single anymore? So I want to start off by reading a scripture from Ecclesiastes, and it is coming from chapter four, and it is verse nine, which says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. The whole chapter of Ecclesiastes four talks about, in essence, brotherhood and being with people and not doing life alone because we are not meant to do that. Um humans are communal creatures and we are meant to live in community. We are not meant to be isolated or to cower away and do our own thing by ourselves. We are social and we are meant to be with other people. So the first thing I like to mention is that not wanting to be single is not inherently bad because it is a human thing to want to be around people and to be with people. And we have in within us ingrained within our DNA the desire to couple, the desire to love, to experience intimacy and the desire for procreation. I know that sounds very biological, but it of course is also spiritual as well because God created marriage. Marriage is a beautiful thing and a good thing, and it is also a very spiritual thing as well. I'd like to read Genesis chapter 2 verse 24, which says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. In Matthew 19, Jesus is quoting this passage, but he also adds a little part to the end, which says, Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. And I love this so much because it's like talking about how God has orchestrated this thing. Let no one separate what God has brought together. So marriage is a very good, beautiful thing. If you desire marriage, that's a very much normal thing. Um, if you desire to be coupled, to have children, to start a family, that is a very normal thing. You are a human, right? We are meant to procreate, not meaning that other things don't matter, but you know, that is something that you should do. I mean, God commanded even Adam to, um, or Adam and Eve, I don't know why I said it in the order, regardless, he commanded them to be fruitful and multiply. And I'd say that that um, is relevant today as well. Um, but not just to populate the earth because you know we got eight eight billion people on the earth i think there's you know a good amount of people but also to raise good humans humans who love the lord fear the lord and who impact the community 
and make the world a better place. So it's not just about filling the world with people. It's about how about we fill the world with good people and show people about, you know, show people who Jesus is and show people what he's like by the way that we live our lives. I've got quite a bit of content coming from Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to start out with verse 2, and then I'm going to jump down to verses 22 through 31. And verse 2 says, And walk in love, as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. And now I'm going to jump down to verse 22 and finish at verse 31. And 22 says, Wives, submit to your own husband as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, and also Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, Love your wives just as Christ has also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That last portion, once again, is alluding to that passage in Genesis, which is so often quoted in the New Testament. But it's, you know, if it's quoted often, that means it's important. But I love this passage so much. It kind of talks about the... I guess, quote-unquote, order of how a marriage is. Um, Firstly, as the husband is the head of the household, the head of the wife, uh, the wife is to submit to him, but he's the one who's submitting to Christ. And of course, the wife submits to Christ as well. But as spiritual leadership, the husband is the head of the household. The woman should submit to her husband, not her boyfriend, FYI, to her husband. And the husband's job is imperative and so important because. He's to love his wife as Christ has loved the church. Christ literally gave his life for the church. He gave his life for his bride. And that's what it says here. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word and that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle. This is a big job, right? To give yourself completely to be able to and to be willing to give your life to give everything for your wife for your family that's a pretty big responsibility and oftentimes people just focus on the wife submit to your husband and they you know say oh goodness that's so terrible that's so misogynistic that's so like demeaning towards women but in fact um the the husband has not that the wife doesn't have a big job but the husband's job is to give him give his life up for his family if it comes to that situation is to protect and love and to provide for her for the family 
if it comes to that situation. And so um, both of these jobs are incredibly important because this is the beautiful harmony, the beautiful balance of a godly marriage is this submission as, as the husband is submitted to Christ, the wife submits to the husband. And as the husband is looking for godly leadership. He's leading the wife and the family in the right direction. Does that mean that he will make mistakes? Of course it will. And that doesn't mean that he's perfect and it, you know, th things are going to happen, right? But as he is submitted to God, he's looking towards the Lord for leadership and the wife is looking towards the husband. So ultimately the, the wife, of course, ultimately is looking to God for leadership. But this is the structure of a godly marriage that we see, and this is God's design. This is the design that God has, and his design is the best. His design is for your good, not just to say this is how it is because I said so. It's because it's what is good, and it is what is best. I'd also like to read Proverbs 18, verse 22, which says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. So this is kind of talking about how a man who finds a wife finds a good thing. And he has favor from the Lord by finding a wife. So like this is talking about like how marriage is a good thing. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. And we can also talk about very briefly the wife of noble character. She is a woman who is entrepreneurial. She takes care of her husband, of her children. She takes care of her household. She is an amazing woman. She's like a legit like boss babe. When you talk about boss babes, like this is the ultimate boss babe right here in Proverbs chapter 31. She's a woman who's taking care of her family, who's looking for supplemental income. She's a smart woman. She's strategic. She makes good business, business moves and business deals. And it's all for the good of her family and for the glory of God and for the honor and respect of her husband. And she's a woman who's just taking care of her home and who's killing it out there and who is nurturing and loving her family. And this wife, this is like the ultimate type of person you could be as a woman, this ultimate like wife, right? And it's not just that these characteristics make her a good wife, but these characteristics make her a good woman. And as um, someone I know who they often say this, which I'm sure they get it from somewhere else, but a good woman makes a good wife and a good man makes a good husband. So it's like these characteristics make you a good human, but in being a good human and in being selfless and in being humble, that'll ultimately, you know, transition into becoming a good spouse as well. I'd also like to talk about um, how, so we talked about like the whole marriage is good, marriage is made by God. This is the marital structure, talking about godly marriage. When we talk about like being single and not having the desire to do so, it's important to introspectively think about why you don't want to be single. And inherently, as I mentioned, it's not wrong to not want to be single, but think about what is the reason why I don't want to be single. That reasoning, that idea could be stemming from um, insecurity, for example, or bad experiences, or wanting you wanting to cover something up with a band-aid that should be stitched, or it could also be FOMO, fear of missing out. There could be several things, several reasons why you want to be not to be single or you could just want to start you know get ready to start coupling and start having a family that's another reason as well there are several reasons i don't know all of them there could be an infinite amount of reasons why one no longer wants to be single or why one wants to couple and while there are good reasons there are also not so good reasons and i want to delve a little bit into that i want to first talk about um 
having your satisfaction in Christ. And that is the ultimate thing. That's the most important thing um, just in life in general, but especially going into like dating and relationships. So I'd like to read a couple of scriptures. Um, I'm just going to read all of them and then I'm going to break it down um, when I'm finished. I'm going to start with Psalms chapter 107 verse 9, which says, For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Psalms 145.16 says, You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. Isaiah 58.11 says, The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Psalms 147.3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And Galatians 5 verse 16 says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Something really important, something imperative in Christian life is having your satisfaction in Christ, is being whole in him, is knowing your identity in Christ. Because if you look for your identity elsewhere, you're going to be let down severely. Because that's not where your identity comes from. The world may have a particular image they put upon you that they see you a certain way or certain people may see you a certain way or your friends or even your family, your peers, your colleagues, your classmates, whatever it may be, may see you in a certain way. And while that is their perspective, it may not always be the truth. The truth is that you were created by God. You were knit in your mother's womb that the Lord knew you before you were born. He knew you before you knew yourself, which is really wild to think about. But the, the perspective that God has is the truth, is the objective truth. So what he says about you, what he believes about you, how he sees you, that's the truth. And whatever anyone else says doesn't matter if it's not aligned with what his truth is for you. So it's important to have your identity in Christ and know who you are in Christ, but also to be fulfilled in him. Because if you're not fulfilled in Christ, nothing else will ever like be fulfilling for you in general right in order to be fulfilled to the highest degree in your life you must first be fulfilled in christ you must first be fulfilled in jesus you must first know your worth and know your value in jesus christ before you find fulfillment in anything else and so it's important to first have this fulfillment in christ to know your worth in christ um because if you don't know your worth in christ you're not going to even know however people should treat you and you're going to settle for less you're going to start settling for being treated badly and to being talked about because you you don't see yourself how you actually are and so it's important to know what your worth is in Jesus before you allow other people to tell you what your worth is it's important to have that foundation of knowing what Jesus says about you what he thinks about you because once again that is the ultimate truth now it's important to be whole and satisfied in Jesus that's the number one thing but oftentimes in Christian culture and purity culture, it's said that like having the desire to want to be married is not good or like you should not want that desire anymore. Like you should be like by the time you get married or God's quote unquote send you your spouse, you should not want the desire to be married anymore. And that is so silly. That's absolutely ridiculous. That's one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. And I believed it until a certain time. I'm like, wait, no, that doesn't sound right. That does not sound right. Having the desire to marry does not mean that you're not satisfied in God or that you're not whole. It means that you're human. 
it means that God gave you this desire to be coupled, to have a family, right? This does not mean that you're dissatisfied in God. This does not mean that you're living in sin because you want to be coupled. That's not what that means at all. The desire to marry comes from God because he created it. Um, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing, actually. It's a very good thing because once again, we have to enact on that. We have to choose to, you know, start going around dating, courting, um, to find a mate, to find a godly spouse. So do not try to suppress that desire to marry for the sake of holiness, because godly marriage is holy too. This is something that God created, and the structure of godly marriage is holy. This is something that God made, and God doesn't make things that are unholy, because he himself is holy. So the desire to marry to, to marry is not inherently wrong at all. I mean, there may be reasons, like wrong reasons why you may want to marry and it might not be the right reason because you might want to be like, for example, covering something up like um, a wound or finding, finding satisfaction in someone else when you are not whole yourself or, you know, having someone fix you or repair you. Like there are a lot of not good reasons to marry, but there are also a lot of reasons to marry. And if they're aligned with the word of God, then you're on the right track. It's just important to think introspectively, like, why do I want to marry? Why do I want to have a family? Why do I want to be coupled? Why do I want to be with a godly person? It's important to think about these things. And it's also important to think about these things because you can think about how can I be the person that the person I want to be with desires to be with? I know that sounds kind of weird, but it's like, how can I be the ideal for my ideal? How can I be the best person I can be for the person I desire? And also not just for that reason, but just how can I please the Lord? How can I be pleasing to God? How can I, um, how can I show the Lord that I love him and I want to please him and honor him in all of my actions, not just for validation, but just because you want to honor him, because you want to love him, because you want to be holy like him as he is holy, not for the reason of saying you're a good Christian or because it's the right thing to do, but because you genuinely have that desire that God has given you to please him, to love him, to walk with him, to follow his word, and to walk in the path that he's laid out for you. It's not just so that you can be fulfilled, not just so you can feel good. And of course, that comes eventually. But the reason why, the the underlying reasons, the intention behind things are almost important. Um, almost, or they're honestly, they're more important than the reason itself, the intention behind it, the heart behind it. The Bible talks about so much our heart position and where our heart is. And it's important to have your heart in the right place and to even ask the Lord to show you like where is where's the disconnect happening inside internally like where am like what's what desires in my heart are there but they're not there for the right reason or like what are the reasons that are not right in my heart and it's really good and important to be able to ask God to reveal that to you just because you may not even be aware of it but there may be underlying desires that you have in your heart that you may be like oh wait hold on that's because of this. That's because I haven't addressed this yet, or that's because of this reason, or that's because so-and-so said that, right? It's important to know and have these pure intentions in your heart um, as you are choosing to do something. And that thing may be good, but the reason why also needs to be good. That reason why is huge. And that'll totally change how you do the thing, why you do the thing. And it'll change um, the result as well. Like that's huge. Just your heart behind it is absolutely huge. It's super important. So ultimately, it's not wrong to not want to be single because that's normal. That's good. You're a human being. Congratulations. You are a homo sapien. Good for you. Um, and so having that desire to marry as a couple and to have families is completely normal. And if you are in a season of singleness and you've been single for a while and you're kind of like, all right, I want to like get, get, 
get the move on, right? Um, that's okay. That's good. The reason why is important. And it's also important to trust the Lord. And trusting the Lord also doesn't mean doing nothing. You have to do your part. You have to do your part so God can do his, right? God can't do, I mean, it's not that he can't do his part, but like, how can he use a vessel that's already full or a vessel that's not willing to be used or a vessel that's not willing to do the part that they need to do, right? Like we, ha- we're our own beings. We have free will. We have our own things that we do. We need to do our part so that God can do his. And so if you're just sitting there expecting your future spouse to come to your house and ring the doorbell, that's not realistic. That's not going to happen. You have to put yourself out there. You have to put yourself in situations where there are people similar to you, people that are like-minded so that you are available to be approached or to approach or to be caught or to catch, right? You have to put yourself in these situations and you're not going to find your godly spouse in your bedroom. Um, You shouldn't, at least. You shouldn't. Um, But they will be somewhere doing things that are helping your community or at church or church events or things like that, right? Like you can't just assume that your godly spouse is just going to show up and be like, oh, hey, I'm here. Like, okay, let's get married tomorrow. It's not realistic. It's not how this works. I'm not saying it can't work like that, but 99% of the time, it's not what's going to happen. So the desire to marry is good. It's a holy desire. But the reason why you desire it is huge, is so important. And it's important to think about why do I desire this in my heart in the first place? That's all I've got for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening to another episode. I totally appreciate it. If you haven't followed or subscribed to the podcast, I would really appreciate that. That would be great. That would help me out so much and it would just make me happy. Um, Thank you guys so much for tuning in for another episode again. I hope you have a fantastic week and I will talk to y'all next Tuesday. Ciao.